Hi, and welcome to the National Treasure Minute podcast, where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 2004 film National Treasure, one minute at a time. So put on your ocular device and discover a podcast beyond all imagining. As always, I am your co-host, Charlie, and I am joined by my co-host, Matthew. Hello. As we said in the previous two episodes, this, this podcast is going to be dissecting uh, the movie National Treasure one minute at a time in, in little bite-sized chunks. This particular minute is minute three. It begins with the story of um, Charles Carroll being taken to the White House. Um, it begins with a shot of the coachman, Thomas Gates, uh, racing through the rain, essentially. And it ends with Nicolas Cage's grandfather delivering the line, a treasure beyond all imagining. So setting yeah. up the remainder of the legend. Yeah, what a what a fantastic line that is. In fact, it's so fantastic, it got actually put in the intro. Only the best lines get put into our National Treasure intro, only the most iconic lines, uh, which are, of course, beyond all imagining and the the ocular, ocular device. device. <laughs> yeah, so two, two uh, <laughs> memorable lines. So... Uh, this minute, as we said, it, it really it encapsulates the entire first part of the legend, which is Thomas Gates, who is uh, the main character, Benjamin Gates's grandfather's grandfather's grandfather, was the coachman for the last signatory of the Declaration of Independence, Charles Carroll. One night, Charles Carroll decided that he was dying. I get well, not decided. He uh, realized he was dying. <laughs> <laughs> he realized he was dying, and he woke up his stable boy, Thomas Gates. And they raced to the White House. Charles Carroll wanted to deliver some news to Andrew Jackson, um, the president at the time. Uh, he wanted to basically reveal the, the only clue they had to the treasure. But, of course, uh, President Jackson was not at the White House that evening. So instead, Charles Carroll delivers it to, he delivers the secret, the last clue, basically, to Thomas Gates. So what are, you, what are your thoughts, basically, on just this this first part of the legend? Well, I, I thought, um, what a fantastic way of, of setting it up, because um, as we said in the last episode, it sort of bridges that gap between uh, like something like just like outright like fairy tale and something that is kind of like an actual historical account, sort of bridges that gap. And I think Charles Carroll was probably one of the best people to pick for this right. role, because one... Even as a historian, as somebody who really likes uh, history and likes American history, uh, I didn't really know too much about him, other than the fact that he was the last signer of the Declaration. But what I, what I like about that is because there's just some mystery already in that. Because you, you hear a name like Charles Carroll, and even if you don't know who this guy is, you just get a feeling like, okay, this is like an American founder-like name. Absolutely. You know, yes. he, you can tell he's in the same kind of like your Alexander Hamilton's you know, your yeah. John Jay's. This is like a Charles. And nobody's Carroll. heard of him, but you know that he's like a founding. You know, if he signed the Declaration of Independence, he's among the greats. He's among the the Hall of Fame. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it 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 evokes something without having to say like, oh, and then this is you know Thomas Jefferson, and then you and then you start thinking like, well, you know, I I, I know all of the stable boys of Thomas Jefferson because it's mm -hmm. recorded in this primary source or whatever. It's like, no, this is Charles Carroll. Somebody. You know your average your average American doesn't really know too much about. So I thought it was like really interesting that the the Gates family is tied not to the biggest name out there. It's not to George Washington. So it's a little bit more plausible that they're tied to somebody uh, that is important, but maybe sort of 
lower in their ranks. They pick the uh, a founding father of perfect obscurity. You know, they, like perfect obscurity. So it's kind of like uh, you know how in some ancient sources, some ancient writings will uh, basically attribute. Um, you know, it was, it was written by just a random guy, or you know, somebody who remains nameless. But they attribute their work to somebody who was more famous than them. Um, and there's a there's a really famous guy uh, who wrote a, a he wrote a, a lot of Platonic philosophy, and he attributed his whole his whole corpus of work to um, one figure from the Acts of the Apostles named Dionysius. Yeah, pseudo Dionysius. Yeah, so he's called pseudo Dionysius now because the Dionysius from the Bible didn't actually write it. But um, you know, he he, did, he didn't want to say, oh, uh, Jesus wrote this, you know, because yeah, yeah. it's a little too whatever. So he decided to pick somebody perfectly obscure enough. To attribute his work to so carol is you know it, you get that sort of pseudo dionysius role yeah and somebody who who ties you into the the world without having to have all the baggage of you know all, all the history that people yeah. know about jefferson or washington or something right. like that and right so a little bit about charles carroll um of course as we did last time we uh went on, we went on wikipedia.org slash charles carroll <laughs> And we have discovered quite a bit of information about him. You know, a lot of what they say in the in, in this minute is actually accurate. Charles Carroll was actually the last signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was not a Mason, though. So Christopher yeah. Plummer says that he's a Mason. He, he wasn't actually a, a Freemason. He was the only Catholic signer of the Declaration. And as we all know, the Catholic Church has a has a an ideological objection to Masonry in general. So um, it's very unlikely that Charles Carroll actually would have been a Mason or even been affiliated with Masons. But but what's interesting about that is actually that his son, also named Charles Carroll, was actually a member. So you know oh, they yeah. had to have done some sort of research for the film. I mean, it's not like he just not like Jerry Bruckheimer knows everything about American history. So when they were doing research, perhaps. Uh, they saw Charles Carroll, and they just didn't really scrutinize that enough to say, "Oh, is it the same Charles Carroll, uh, or was it actually his his father?" Um, or yeah, his or they other. just fudged it and were like, "You know, we'll make him a yeah." Who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? I mean, we need we need, Paul Revere, George Washington, Ben Franklin. Um, we need you know, it's it's probably this guy probably was a Freemason too. So we'll just you know, add it in. Yeah. Anyway, so one thing I wanted to point out was um, Christopher Plummer. He plays Nick Nicholas Cage's grandfather. He also played the Duke of Wellington in a movie called Waterloo. And that's, of course, a movie about uh, the Battle of Waterloo between Napoleon and the Duke of Wellington. And something interesting about Charles Carroll is that he has a connection to both Napoleon and Wellington, both sides. He has two yeah, different yeah. connections. <laughs> so Charles Carroll's granddaughter, her name was Mary Ann Caton. She was married twice. The first time she was married, she married a guy named Robert Patterson. And uh, this guy, uh, he's not Robert Pattinson, um, Robert, Robert Patterson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, of oh, oh, Twilight <laughs> fame. No, uh, uh, Robert Patterson, the brother of the wife of Jerome Bonaparte, who's Napoleon's younger brother. So, so the first guy that Charles Carroll's granddaughter married was Napoleon's younger brother's wife's brother, okay? So then he died. That guy's name, Robert, he died. She remarried, and she married a guy named Richard Wellesley, who uh, was the brother of Arthur Wellesley, the Duke of Wellington. And uh, she's alleged to have had an affair with the Duke of Wellington. Honestly, it's, it's kind of an independently fascinating fact about Charles Carroll that, you know, his granddaughter decided to marry both a Bonaparte and a, and a Wellington, um, who were arch rivals who met fatally at Waterloo in 1815. 
Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really interesting uh, connection. I, I never would have would have known that, but of course, you know, Charlie is sort of avid Napoleon guru. Fanatic, yeah, so that, that's yeah. So we we already know I'm a Ben Franklin fan. I also later in life in uh, in like middle school, I developed more of a, a fascination with Napoleon. Uh, ben Franklin kind of fell by the wayside. Um, I, I don't want to I don't want to dunk on Charles Carroll too much. I mean, he signed the Declaration <laughs> of Independence, but yes, no, you didn't do that, <laughs> and I didn't do that. I I haven't declared anything. But one of the things I really liked was as the grandfather, as Christopher Plummer is telling this story, there's a one shot that sort of lingers on Ben Gates as a kid. And you can just tell in his eyes, he's like super, super absorbed with this story. That particular shot stood out to me because that is exactly the feeling a kid would have when their grandfather is telling them about 1832 Charles Carroll. Uh, right. and, then, and then like you're related to him. And also... You know, he's going to lean in and say, a treasure. Yeah. A treasure beyond all imagining. It's, it's, it's like the exact, they capture the exact feeling that I think a, a child would have. And uh, that's what I really like about cinema is its ability to capture this, those feelings. And I think, I think, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it happens right here. And we have an ancestor who fought at the Alamo. So uh, plausibly, our grandfather could have uh, leaned in and told us about uh, Mr. John, who fought at the Alamo. Um, yeah. Stephen really Austin sure was was going to yeah. tell him something important that was buried that Santa yeah. Ana took away or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go treasure hunting one day. Yeah. So another thing about this minute that I want to talk about was apparently there was a deleted scene uh, that didn't make it in the movie. Right, right. So, you know, he says that Andrew Jackson wasn't there that night, but the original cut of the movie had Andrew Jackson coming out of the White House and, and basically discovering uh, Charles Carroll's corpse, you know, because he had died um, by the time he came out. Basically, Thomas Gates says, oh, this was the final clue was Charlotte, you know, and Andrew Jackson says, oh, Charles Carroll, he already told me that he's just a, he's a senile old man. He just gives he just says crazy stuff. Typical Jacksonian fashion. Yeah. Very dismissive. Yeah. I don't know. Just kind of an interesting little thing. I guess that's one of the part of the four hours that they cut out was this little part with Andrew Jackson. <laughs> well, I wonder who they uh, got to play Jackson. I mean, they filmed it. Right. Yeah. So I wonder I, I don't know who the actor is. I'll have to to do some research on that I, I wonder you know who who would i cast is that maybe um maybe christopher lloyd maybe he'd, uh, he'd be a good jackson i don't know i it's on the dvd though like if we if we went and got we're watching it on disney plus if we went and got the dvd and you and you watched it you might be able to figure out who it is i don't know yeah um but yeah, yeah. some some you know they just had andrew jackson come out and basically uh right off charles carroll as you know having dementia so i'm trying to think how how old was charles carroll um, I think he died in the, in his nineties, which is fairly impressive for, uh, he, he was 95 when, yeah. um, when he died. Good I was at, well, I, I don't know. I was thinking about, uh, I, I was looking into some genealogy and, uh, there were some, the ancestors of my, of my wife who, uh, they lived to be 101. He actually fought in the revolution. He was this, this guy who was 101 and he, he became a Confederate. So I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess he, he he fought for the revolution, then he fought against it. So it's yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things that like with with Charles Carroll, uh, he is apparently so I guess little cared for that there was a World War Two ship made out of him. It was made in October 1941, so before Pearl Harbor, mm -hmm. uh, and it actually I think it saw action in World War Two, but it was just a cargo ship, the SS Charles Carroll. Yeah, uh, but apparently it was sold for scrap metal in 1970. The SS Carroll has no secrets aboard it yeah has, unfortunately <laughs> i mean you can go look yeah. but i don't know there's no pipes yeah. uh, aboard the ss carol oh and if it was sold for scrap there's probably no uh 
ship to be found in the first place. So yeah, yeah, nowhere. So another part of this minute is uh, the just the grandpa's delivery of this whole legend. One thing I notice is that right before he says the word treasure, he kind of stops and like looks around a little bit. Yeah, I noticed that. That was that was nice. Yeah. As if, like, you know, he's just making sure nobody else is around before. Or may- maybe he's, like, just kind of feigning it. Like, he's like he's feigning that sense of secret. I mean, uh-huh. they're in the attic, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes the whole thing sort of electric. I thought what he was doing was almost like he was thinking in his mind, like, should I tell yeah, the right, story? Because right. he's thinking, like, it's so compelling. You obsess over it once you hear the story. So should I tell it to Ben Gates? It's like the point of no return. He's going to look to the side. Then he says, all right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. going to obsess over it. So he was right to do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a good beginning of the legend and kind of, you know, it, it, he doesn't start with the beginning. He doesn't start with the ancient Romans. He starts with, you know, here's our family connection to the treasure, which is through Thomas Gates. It gives it a little bit more credibility, you know? So this shot, the, I mean, this minute ends with Christopher Plummer's eye above one of the pyramids in Egypt, the, this pyramid in particular being unfinished. So it's just supposed to look like the back of the dollar bill. Yeah, and I I would say I think that's probably one of the the best transitions in like the whole film. Yeah, it, like that that transition between him and then going into ancient Egypt because it that just stuck with me. I think it's one of those one of those shots that a lot of people know from the movie. Like one of the other sort of well known shots is probably you know Ben Gates holding the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. while he's getting right, shot. Yeah, and then there's also um, there's also this one with Christopher Plummer's eye above yeah above the pyramid. Yeah. It's just that sort of compelling. Yeah, it's a it's a good visual idea. I used to think that this Egyptian part was like taken from another movie, you know. But the fact that there's an unfinished mm-hmm. pyramid and they, you know, kind of use that to set up this visual idea of the unfinished pyramid, um, this like visual parallel with the back of the dollar bill, that makes me think that they actually did film that or you know create render that special effect just for this particular movie. Yeah, I, I don't actually know. I mean, I think maybe the uh, the shots of the Romans and stuff that might have been B roll footage from that's what I thought film. But I I, I don't know. It, it seems to me like they could have been plausibly filmed. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll get more into that in the next minute because the next minute is full of the ancient world and all those Ben Hur type shots of the ancient Romans and the ancient Egyptians and whatever else. So we'll get into more of that in the next minute. So uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. You can catch us on nationaltreasureminute.blogspot.com. Thanks.